when you started Refloor, give us the highlights of what was different when you started Refloor versus when you started Hanson's. I look at it like baking. You get the right recipe mm -hmm. and you put all the right ingredients in it. All you have to do is keep following the same recipe. And yeah. when you want to make it better, you're not making these major changes. Yeah. You're making tweaks to the recipe. Oh, I'll add a little more sugar. You're making tweaks and you're making adjustments instead of making these big moves where you don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. I know what's going to happen. Have you ever felt like there's a secret club of successful contractors and you're left outside? Want in? Well, you just found the entry door. Welcome to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Each episode, we pull back the curtain, revealing the stories, strategies, and secrets that top leaders use to grow their home improvement business and enjoy more success, more wealth, and more freedom. Discover more at thewealthycontractor.com. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to our 200th episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Wow, I, uh, I, in my wildest imagination, didn't think we would get this far. I think I've told this story before, maybe I have, maybe I haven't, but this is a perfect time to tell it because when I started this podcast, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea if anybody would even listen. And the one person that I knew I could rely on that would help me out and be here for me is none other than Brian Elias, formerly from 1-800-Hansons and now from Refloor and a bunch of other stuff. And so I reached out to Brian. I said, hey, Brian, I'm going to start this new thing. We're going to start the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Would you be my first guest? And uh, that was almost exactly seven years ago. Wow. We released that episode on the 14th of November, 2016. That's awesome. So a lot has changed in both of our lives. Oh my gosh, yes. Since then. Let's just real quick, just for the podcast. So I don't know if I've even told you this, but we're at well over 2 million downloads total. Wow. Yeah. In, in this time, which, yeah, I never thought. Each episode gets thousands and thousands of downloads and listens. And uh, you were just sharing with me that people have actually reached out to you and said, thank you. And, you know, it, it's amazing. It warms my heart. There's nothing better than to know that I've made a difference in somebody else's life. Yeah. And there's no question that um, people are influenced by you, Brian. Oh, by you guys. Um, oh, well. But you're the guy, you're the guy running the show. So well, you, you need to take you. a little credit. Yeah. But thank you. Yeah. So, you know, and I get a lot of people coming up to me, a lot of people listen to the show and yeah, they seem to, to get a lot out of it. So Brian, so because he was the first, we thought, well, let's do something different and interesting and unique because it is Brian Elias. So we did episode one. We did episode 50 together, all the milestone episodes, 100, 150, and now 200. And so, yeah, we got this one and we'll got 50 more to go and got, you know, we'll see where we are at episode 250. But a lot has changed in the last seven years. Kind of give us the quick version of what's changed in the last seven years. Because I actually, so you guys don't know this, but I don't usually come prepared. Well, you probably know it because... <laughs> 
Because <laughs> you're Brian. Just because, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, at the very beginning when we first did this, I actually would come prepared. I would come with a list of questions that I wanted to ask people. But sure as shit, within, you know, five or 10 minutes, I would derail it or we would go off on a, on a tangent. And the tangent was much more interesting than my questions. And so I stopped doing questions years ago. But for this episode, I wanted to make sure I had some questions because a lot has happened in the industry. A lot is happening. Things are changing real quick. You have gone into an entirely new sector of the market. And uh, anyway, I, I'll stop talking. You tell us what's happened in the last, for you in the last seven years. So I, I, in 2016, we started thinking about selling the company. Mm-hmm. We sold the company in 2017. For all intents and purposes, I retired, but I didn't know how to be retired. And I really didn't want to be. My father had died at a young age, so I, I was always really nervous about not leaving money to my family and to my kids and just didn't want to leave them a business. I wanted to leave them, you know, money, something that, that was more tangible. And to me, without the without me at the business, I felt if something happened to me, the business value would drop. Yeah. So therefore, I decided I was going to cash out. And when I I don't know if you remember this, but when I sold the company, part of my job was to replace myself as a CEO. Right. I remember. So I hired a guy named Steve Silver. You may not know who that is, but he was was the former CEO of Empire Today. Mm -hmm. And he took Empire from, I'm guessing, 60 million to somewhere around 600 million. Wow. So I thought it was the perfect guy to take over the business. And in that time, I had become very good friends with him as well. And he says, Brian, you signed a non-compete for windows, for siding, for roofing. Why don't you do flooring? And I thought about it and I'm like, you know something, why not? So I put together a plan and quickly executed on it. And I opened up at the best time, one month before COVID. Yeah. So I was open (laughs) a month and I was closed down. Yeah. And so nothing happened in in, in between that time. But what the opportunity that I got, I had the opportunity to think it through really, really good. So our planning, in my eyes, was impeccable on how to actually pull this off. So in such a short time, we've been open just shy of four years. We'll do roughly 50 million in sales. Wow. So that's pretty good. We're expecting next year to be doing 80, 75, 80. And you're opening offices. We're opening up five new locations, five new markets. How many currently? We currently have eight offices. We're in Detroit, Grand Rapids, Toledo, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Columbus, Indianapolis, and St. Louis. Oh, wow. Okay. So So like four states. uh, Four states. It's really a few extras because we hit Illinois in one of them. Okay. We hit Kentucky in one of them. So Cool. Several different markets. It's a riot. Yeah. So what's cool about it is that you, from everything you learned at Hanson's, which by the way, you know, you were, you were a pioneer in a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of the success that people have today and a lot of the stuff that they're doing in marketing and branding technology, even in financing, kind of starts started back with you scary and you were the one yeah scary but true and i was the first one to sell the company and you were the first so, one to go to private equity too and i said even at that time i said boy is this gonna have a ripple effect yeah 
everybody's going to be following suit. And they did. And they did. They did. Yeah. And the consolidation is still going on right now. Yeah. Heavy duty. Yeah. But let's talk about, so you, uh, you know, we talk about this all the time. There's a formula to this business. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. It's follow proven. And we talk about this for 200 episodes plus. That's what we've talked about here. There's models, there's formulas. Go look at what successful people are doing and model it. Absolutely. Copy, we'll say model. Model it sounds so much professional instead of steal it. Exactly. (laughs) Which is what what I used to say. That's what we used to say. say But now we've matured, but we've both matured. So now we- You've matured more than me. We call it modeling. Modeling. Yes. We'll model. Yes. And so when you started Refloor, what was, I mean, give us, this this is a three hour conversation in and of itself, but give us the highlights of what was different when you started Refloor versus when you started Hanson's. I look at it like baking. You get the right recipe Mm -hmm. and you put all the right ingredients in it. All you have to do is keep following the same recipe. And when you want to make it better, you're not making these major changes. You're making tweaks to the recipe. Oh, I'll add a little more sugar, a little more baking soda, a little more oil, a little more butter. And you're you're making tweaks and you're making adjustments instead of making these big moves where you don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. I know what's going to happen. What are the the those key pieces? What are the key pieces of the formula? There's four key pieces. There's four chords, I like to say. Okay. The four chords are strategy measurements, process, and people. And it has to go in that order. People say, well, if you have nothing to measure, how do you measure if you don't know? You have to start off with what the end's going to look like. So you have your strategy and you have all the things you're going to measure. Yeah. And then you have to write the processes. And then you hire the right people to run the process. And anytime you deviate from that, your business starts to suffer. Yeah. So long as you're focusing on those four chords working together, your business continues to grow. Yeah. Strategy. So talk a little bit about strat. What does strategy look like in a home improvement business? Well, let me go back to what my original strategy was. Okay. My dream in my life when I first got in the home improvement business was to make $5,000 a week. And I was like, Oh my God. I'll make be, in your pocket or sell? Make 5000 a week okay. was like my dream. Okay. And so, this, by the way, is he started from the trunk of his car. I used right? to sell pots yeah. and pans, speakers and stereos out of the trunk yeah. of my car. I'd walk with people, hey, hey, boss is blowing these out half price. Yeah. How many do you need? You were that guy. I was that guy. Yeah. And what that taught me was not to be afraid of hearing no. Yeah. Now anyone can say no to me. It's great. I don't care. It doesn't bother me in the least. At this point, you don't even hear it though. Right. Because you'll you'll keep picking. And if it's something you want, I've seen you do it. If it's something you want, you don't even hear the no. You just keep working your way around. I I didn't hear that no. You can can make this happen. Right. Work with me. Yeah. I've seen you do it. Yeah. It's because- People are natural, you know, they, you've been told no since you were a little kid. Yeah. Your parents are, no, no, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. In fact, the matter is, no is just an obstacle that people use. And if you give them enough information, those no's turn into yeses. Yeah. And I've learned that in every area of my life, including my beautiful wife. She said no to me multiple times. And I think she still does. But that being said, 
if you want to if you want to make a change in your life, you have to figure your ways around the nos yeah. and convert those nos to yeses. Yeah. And that's what we do every day. Yeah. And you have to, you know, one of the things I tell younger people now is, and I wish I knew this, is that a no is actually a good thing yeah. because it's a whole lot better than a maybe. maybe. I agree. Maybe is the worst. Maybe is hard to deal with. Yeah. A no you can deal with. You could deal with a no. And if you have a healthy respect for yourself and, an, and a respect for what you're selling, you know that, okay, this no just, get me, just got me one step closer to a yes. Absolutely. Because you have to figure out why you got the no yeah. and figure if you can resolve that problem. Because at the end of the day, anyone who calls for a home improvement, they have a problem. Yeah. That's it. Could be a leaky roof, could be an ugly floor, could be leaky windows, mm. could be, you know, they, they're jealous of their neighbor, but they're all resolving a problem. Right. And what your job is to do is to figure out how you can best resolve their problem better than anybody else. Yeah. And that to me is what we focus on every day. So if I do hear a no, I'm asking simply, is it the product that doesn't resolve your prop problem? No, the product does. Then typically it's the dollars making sense or the affordability. Yeah. And those are the things you can work on. Payment programs, different discounts might work. Whatever it takes to turn that no into a yes and turn that yes into a customer, into another satisfied customer that refers you to their friends. Right. And then it becomes this, you know, perpetuating take on a life of its own. Yeah. And we do that all the time. You always have been a start with the end in mind, which goes to measurement. So when you didn't have anything to measure way back when, I think you knew if I knock on X number of doors, somebody's going to let me in. That's how you started, I right? Really started. With, when I, it comes to measurement, that's how you started, I right? Knocked, I knocked on doors and said, I am not going home until I have two appointments yeah. for the next day. Yeah. So sometimes it would take an hour. Yeah. Sometimes it would take 10 hours, yeah. but nothing was going to stand in my way. Yeah. So knocking on doors, you know, builds character. Builds character. Yeah. Okay. You change who you are mm -hmm. because you understand what they're going to say. Oh, we're not interested. And then you learn how to overcome those objections. Yeah. So then you write the plan. So that if all the customers are going to say the same thing, which they do, I tell this story all the time. You walk into a retail store, salesperson walks up to you and says, yeah. what? Can I help you? And what do you inevitably say? Just looking. No, I'm just looking. Yeah. So why do you suppose they ask such a stupid question if they already know what you're going to answer? Because they were poorly trained. Yeah. So if you changed the question and said, hey, okay, I see you came here today. Did you hear about the sale we're having? Well, no, I didn't. Okay. Are you thinking tops or bottom? And you're changing the conversation with the same exact person. Yeah. So when they say you're not interested in uh, you're not interested in windows for your home, I see you have the old style ones. Is this something you thought about doing in the future? Well, yeah. You've actually never had a price from us yet, have you? No. Well, it couldn't hurt to get our price, could it? So all of a sudden, I got good at it. So I was able to get those appointments faster. Yeah. So I wasn't spending all my time out knocking doors. Yeah. And then I realized it wasn't the best use of my time. So if I could just teach one person how to do this, they'll teach the rest of my people. Mm -hmm. And that's really how it started. And so I started building it in sections, but there was no real strategy or plan. It was just play it by ear. Well, whatever. it was at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So that's how, that's how I built the company. The first company. The first company. Yeah. 
Today, by the way, just for context, how long did it take you to get to $50 million in, at Hanson's? Probably 20. 20 years. 20. And in this one, it took four. That in and of itself is- Four and knowing nothing about the product. Right. Okay, yeah. nothing about flooring, nothing about what they want. But at the end of the day, so we're, so this is why, this is why I have questions and we never get to them because the conversation is always so much more interesting than the questions are. Here's the thing. You didn't need to know so much about the product. You just know, you innately know how to solve people's problems. And so when you know how to solve somebody's problem, the product itself doesn't matter. I think I see a lot of people, one of the things that they do and they, and, and it hurts them in their business and they can't grow and they can't make the money that they should make and sell as many jobs is because they don't understand they're solving a problem. They think they're selling a product. I hear it all the time. Oh, I, Brian, I use the greatest window. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's got this feature and that yeah. feature. If the customer doesn't even know that those features exist, yeah. you're falling in love with your product inst- instead of falling in love with the solution for your customer. Right. So you have to focus on the customer's needs every single day. Right. And they don't necessarily need that super duper heavy duty night latch. Yeah. Not that it's a bad thing. Yeah. Added bonus, but. Really, at the end of the day, they have leaky windows, and they're looking to replace them with windows that don't leak at a budget that they can afford. Yeah. And if you can master that, that little latch, they never would have asked about. Right. It's a bonus for them. Yeah. And you have to think of everything you do as problem solving. People today, they have ugly floors. Okay. We walk in the homes, we look at the floor, and like, yeah, you've needed that. Yeah. And they've needed it for a long, long time. So what you have to do is you have to be the one who solves those problems. Yeah. And that's what we do every day. Well, in your marketing too, your form of marketing, which is my form, direct response, is all about hitting them with, we are the ones that are going to solve your problem at a price you can afford quickly, easily, you know, all of that stuff, fast, easy, affordable. And the marketing of this, I mean, it's really, that's, it's understanding that piece. But before we get to the marketing, because that's a whole other thing. And that's one of the areas too, where you, you're, you've just been an absolute master at, at marketing and branding. Let's stick with measurement for a minute, because you know, as well as I do, if you aren't measuring in this, you aren't measuring every little thing in this business, stuff falls through the cracks. Right. I see it on P&Ls all the time. You're three points off your, your target or you're 10 points off your target. Why? Because you're not properly measuring. You don't understand the metrics of the- Well, if you know you're stuff. 10 points off, yeah, okay, you know you're not hitting your numbers. That's one measurement. Yeah. But you're not measuring the measurements to get you To there. get you there. That's yes. right. That's the big problem. The, but yes. the big problem is not one fell swoop. It's all the little things right. that led to that. Correct. So what you have to do is you have to measure your biggest expense. And in the home improvement industry, your biggest measurement is your lead cost. Yeah. Because that is the majority of where your money is going. Mm -hmm. So if you do not know by source how much it costs you for that appointment and how much it costs you for that customer, you're out of business because you cannot sustain because the advertising there's so much waste that goes in. Yeah. If you're not measuring, oh, how much did this message cost me? Yeah. And then you look and you say, well, I spent $1,000. I got four appointments from it. 
That means it was $250 per appointment. And if you're not thinking of that on a weekly basis, you're in big trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that people really don't. They're putting it out there and say, well, let's see what happens. Yeah. We've talked about this before, but you got to know what is the phone call itself costing or the form filled cost me? What is it costing me to set the appointment? Like right. what's the measurement between right. the number of raw inquiries I got to how many appointments that I set? How many of those appointments actually were run? How many of those actually led to a sale? Uh, you know, and all the way down the line, every little piece of that needs and, to be And measured. you're always tweaking those things. You have to, you're right. But if you're if you're a smaller guy and you're looking to do this right now, you're saying, well, God, that's that's overwhelming. And to somebody who's new or smaller, that is going to be overwhelming. You spent this much on a media campaign. Mm -hmm. This is how many appointments you were able to set. If you just measure those two, it gives you a great starting point. Yeah. And then you take that and you say that message worked or it didn't work. Mm -hmm. Because if you say, well. I, I said, you know, hey, you got you got ugly floors, we'll replace them. Okay? That costs $250. Hey, and right now we're saving saving an additional 20% off of that project. All of a sudden that four turns into eight because now I've made a compelling offer to right. them. So every ad that you have to do has to be compelling so you can measure it against the last compelling offer you did. That's right. So you're always looking to get a dollar less than the last lead. So to me, I don't say, oh, I'm going to try to cut it in half. I try to beat it by a dollar. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think I've ever heard you say that before. You're always trying to beat it by a dollar. And by the way, when I'm looking for same store sales, all I am ever looking to do is plus by a dollar. Yeah. If I beat it by a dollar, I'm ahead of the game. Oftentimes, I beat it by a lot more. Right. But the goal is to beat it by a dollar. Yeah. And it's actually only happened once where I've actually hit the the dollar. By one dollar. Okay, I I beat it by a dollar. Yeah. Typically, it's more. But everything you want to look at is you want to get ahead of goal. So you always set a target amount that you're looking to get out of something. And some of the things you're going to do are going to fail. And some of the things you're going to do are going to be killer. Yeah. I mean, you know, we put this uh, red sofa in one of our ads. And all of a sudden, we're getting twice the amount of leads with this red sofa that nobody in the whole world has in their house. Yeah. Okay. Except for this ad. And I realized that sometimes when you have something that catches people's eyes, it makes them respond faster. So It's interesting. Right. And it's constant testing. Always. It's it's constantly, right. you know, in, in marketing, we have a control, right. you know, this produced four leads right. at $250 a lead. Right. So now how do we beat the control? Right. So we added a red cow. Oh, by adding a red sofa right. in the picture, right. now we got five. Right. Okay. Well, now that's the new control. Now let's go test the different offer against it. And, and it's, it's, I hate to see it because I see it all the time is owners are focused on the wrong things. Right. Focus on the numbers. Yeah, focus on the numbers. That's love your customer, right. take well, care of your customer, but focus on the numbers. Focus on the numbers. You got to know where you got to know where you're at. I yeah. I live by three questions: Where are you at? Where are you going? How are you going to get there? How are you going to get there? The yeah. first thing is where you where are you at? You must know. Yeah. If you don't know where you're at, okay, and you don't know know where you're going, any road will get you there. Yeah. Because you're going to get lost. And you have to be focused on the basics in everything. You're not just measuring in lead cost. You got to measure turnover. You got to measure closing percentage. Mm -hmm. You have to measure customer satisfaction. Everything needs to be measured. And then you, as you call it, then you have a model to work from. And then you're trying to beat those numbers. We want five-star reviews from everybody. 
What's the secret? Ask everybody. Ask everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I ask for reviews and no one does it. No, you, you don't because people will do it the minute you ask them, hey, if you wouldn't mind, if I do you a great job here, which I'm going to do, would you mind writing me a, a review? Yeah. And the customer goes, sure, I will. Then all you have to do at the end of the job is say, hey, remember you told me you'd write me a review? Yeah. I'm going to send you out a link right now. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind, and I know you have a business that does this and helps yeah, yeah. people do it even better, but people lose sight of asking because they're la- they're missing that in their. Yeah, process. we do the same th- the same uh, strategy for yeah. referrals. Right. When I do, I I'm going to work very hard to exceed all of your expectations. When I do that, will you introduce me to your friends and family? And they're happy to, and they'll always say yes. Right. But then you come and you hit them at the end and say, well, who do you know that can, right. and they say, well, I don't know anybody. It's kind of like the, the right. question of, well. But that's, that's your first no. Right. And then you go like this. You got to know somebody. Right. And then they start thinking, oh, well, I can give you so-and-so. Great. Give me him. Give me one more. Yeah. And all of a sudden, magically, them not knowing, they magically. Well, it's it funny because at G4, one of the, I realized that early on and I gave all of our clients have a cheat sheet. And on the cheat sheet there where it's got referral, right next to it, it's got these little boxes, friend, coworker, neighbor, family. And I always say to people, when they tell you, no, I don't know anybody right now, that is an automatic reaction. Just like a no in most cases is an automatic. So how do you break that pattern? How do you interrupt that pattern? You ask them the follow-up question just like you did. You ask them again in a different, slightly different way. I understand. It's nothing's coming to mind. Let's start with your relatives, okay? Which one of your relatives could use the floor? Think of their house. You've been there. Oh, yeah, Mary. Okay, good. Great. Give me Mary's number. Right. And you start asking the right questions, and you just have to get through that barrier. Yeah. And like I said, everybody starts off with no. Yeah. Builder Prime is changing the game for home improvement contractors. Imagine having everything you need to help your business grow in one place. CRM. Estimating marketing automation with SMS, production management software, and now call center dialer integration, all wrapped into one easy to use package. And it's never been easier to switch CRMs. Hundreds of contractors trust Builder Prime to grow their businesses with powerful reporting tools to see which leads are making money, which sales reps are the top performers, and where to optimize for the greatest impact. We're talking about winning more jobs, boosting productivity, and delighting your customers. Are you ready to fuel your business growth even faster without all the daily frustrations of your current tech stack? You owe it to yourself, your team, and your business to learn why everyone is switching over to Builder Prime, the only true does-it-all CRM for home improvement contractors. Head over to builderprime.com and request a personalized demo with an expert today. All right, let's hit on your other two things, process and people, and then maybe I can get to a couple of the other questions that I have for you. So, Talk a little about, pro- because you're all about process. It's funny, because in my original company, all I ever used was a giant checklist. Checklist, yeah. To this day, we do the same thing. Yeah. Now we have really formalized processes. But at the end of the day, everything is just a checklist. Yeah. Customer's name, spouse's name, address at home. Now this seems like it's important. It's not important. Of course you're going to get that. Cell phone number. Mrs. Cell phone number. 
home number. Yeah. Mr. Email, Mrs. Email. Why? Because when it comes time to schedule that job, we need to fill that spot right now. Yeah. So if the wife didn't answer her phone, we're calling the husband. We're sending an email. We're doing whatever it takes because- How many of you are doing this? That's a good one. We're following our process because if a day goes out and a day goes by where we didn't put revenue on the books, that affects our cash flow. And there's nothing worse than when you had the ability to get something installed, but you weren't prepared beforehand. So you have to have a way of reaching them right away. Also, we have a process in our sales side that says, a spot for them to mark, which is a floating installation where we'll give them a $100 discount if we can give them 24 hours notice, okay, and then install their job. We'll call that customer and say, hey, I see you had a floating install. We do have an availability tomorrow. You said you'd make yourself available. Will that work? Yes, it will. All of a sudden, we brought in $7,300 worth of revenue that day. That if you didn't know, and you didn't have these systems set up, there's a whole 7,300 bucks. And you lose just one of those, call it a week, call it a month. You lose one of those a month. $7,000 a week. Yeah. Okay. Is 350 plus thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Okay. Of lost revenue that would have came in the door to help you pay everybody. Well, I used to agonize over, we used to get 50 phone calls on a Monday morning. I remember coming to your office that first time and you were taking me around and we went into his call center and you went up to a person and you went somewhere in the script. You didn't even, you didn't even start at the beginning. You were like three questions in and you hit them with that and they immediately had to respond back. This is process. This is having the people run the process, but this is also about measuring because you know that if you put a script in place, you train that person, they role play it over and over and over and over again. They can mess it up, but it's hard to mess it up. And it'll show up in the measurement Right, because now all of a sudden you'll see. Well, wait a minute. Why is Sally only closing at or setting at seventy five percent instead of eighty five, like everybody else is? I used to agonize over that little measurement because fifty phone calls. I mean, you set one extra one from that over the course of a year. That adds up to real money. So when you talked about the phone thing, yeah, I have a four part process for that. I understand repeat objection, make it bigger, overcome. I'll repeat it one more time. Say it again, yeah. I understand repeat objection, make it bigger, overcome. Give me any objection a customer might say. I don't have that much time to meet with you. I understand. That was the first thing. You don't have much time for me. And we do hear that all the time. However, sooner or later, you are going to get your floors done, correct? Yes. It couldn't hurt to get our price, could it? No. Boom, I turned a no right to a yes. No. But that's a process. That isn't something I knew. You could hit me with anything. Yeah. We're not ready right now. I understand right now, ready right now. Everybody's busy this time of year, Mm -hmm. but sooner or later, those floors are going to hit your, hit you, right? What I'd like to do is get a bid in your hands to get that project done. Is tomorrow or Saturday better for you? Yeah. Now, by the way, this is for the listener. Yes. What he just did right now, again, it's, it's, you can model this. This is nothing. it, It sounds complicated and complex and sophisticated, and it is. Make no mistake. But you can very easily model it. I mean, you can almost just call one of your companies right. and just follow steal along it. in the script. But model it. You, model it, yes. <laughs> Let's not steal it. Let's model it. But you could just, if you don't have anywhere else to go, go to the place that's doing it right, right. 
and do it that way. Or practice with yourself. Write right. these four things down. I understand. Repeat their objection back to yeah. them. Make it bigger. Empathize with them. And then overcome it. Yeah. So now anybody can take my secret formula that I just gave you yeah. on how to overcome any phone objection. Yeah. We're not ready right now. I understand you're not ready right now. I do hear that from time to time. But sooner or later, you're going to get that project done. And we want to make sure we get a price in your hand. Yeah. So we'd like to come out, show you a few samples, figure up a price. And when you're ready to get the work done, you'll give us a call back. Fair enough? Fair enough. Just like that. Yeah. Let's talk about, so I actually have a question around, I have a couple of questions around people. So how do you create a, a strong company culture? You know, we both do EOS. Mm -hmm. And so we talk about our core values, our mission, our BHAG, all of this stuff. You want to explain to them what a BHAG is? BHAG is big, hairy, audacious goal. So what is our big, hairy, audacious goal? Yours is to be the largest flooring company in America. The largest and most trusted flooring company in America. Oh, okay. And most trusted. How do you, because that's something you came up with. That's where you want to go and where you want to take it. But you can't do it alone. No. How many people do you have now? Probably 300. 300 people. Okay. So how does that message go from you all the way down to the person that works in your building that is off in the back somewhere that may or may not have it be customer facing, whatever the lowest. This is know. right out of EOS. So yeah. I'm just going to tell you, first of all, you have your mission, which you already know what mine is. Yeah. Then you have your core values. Let me explain to you my core values real quickly. Okay. We use an acronym respect. So the R stands for responsible. You own it to resolve it. The E stands for enterprising. That means figure it out. If there's a problem, figure it out, yeah. make a decision. I'd rather you make a decision, get it wrong, than I'll make a decision. Mm -hmm. S stands for system driven. We follow processes. We don't do weird shit. We don't Remember do weird shit. Yes. About that? We don't do weird shit. It was a big hit at our, our yep. mastermind meeting a couple shit. months ago. Okay. Yeah. P stands for positive. We want to work around positive people. Mm -hmm. Okay. E stands for uh, empathetic. Empathetic. Okay. You have to worry about how your customer feels. Your customer isn't just your customers. It's your installers. It's your salespeople. Those are also your customers. Mm -hmm. Okay. C stands for customer focus. You got to put them number one. Number one. And T, you have to work well with others. It stands for team player. Yeah. So then when you're interviewing, I'm not in, I don't care if they've ever been in the flooring business or the window business. I care if they meet my core values. Right. Because if they think like we do and they act like we do, they'll help us grow together. But when you have any of those things off, you've got a bad hire. Yeah. Potentially a cancer. No, it is a cancer. Yeah. Anytime you have a, you know, it's like swimming with a weight, yeah. okay, tied to your ankle. It's not that you can't swim with the weight, but it starts to pull you down. And the more weights that you have on you pulling you down, sooner or later you'll drown because of your people. Yeah. There's a lot of companies that what I have that have the office, um, we'll use the word Karen, okay? For those of you who don't know what the Karen is, she's not the friendliest person in your office. Yeah. And she knows where all the bodies are buried. She knows everything about the business, but she's mean as a snake. Yeah. This would be a guy too. So that being said, what you have to do is you have to say, does this person meet your company's core right. values? And if they don't, they've got to go. And part of her hates the business. Correct. There's no question. And you want to make sure that all the people that are behind you aren't behind you with a knife. Yeah. They're backing you up. And you have to think like that. So 
when I interview, I'm each letter I'm going through responsible. Hey, tell me about a time you, you had a problem at work and how you figured it out. Yeah. Okay. So I got R and E right there. Okay. Then system driven. Do you like doing things your way? Or do you like when a process is laid out and made easy for you? Oh, I like to figure out my own way and do it this way. And I don't need to follow the checklist. I'll do it my way. You're not on my team. Right. So what I do is you're not going to have everyone's going to be positive in your core values, but any negatives, we don't allow it. So if, you, if I hear any negative, oh, I hated my last boss. He was this. Bye-bye. Yep. So to me, you have to hire slow and fire fast, not because you want to get rid of anybody. You want people that are going to align with your core values so they're all striving the same direction you are. Yeah. And that is my people process. Yeah. And ultimately, the goal is, and this is something we talk about a lot here at Wealthy Contractors, ultimately, the goal is to create a business that works without you. I have this saying, okay? Your business is not supposed to be your life. Your business is supposed to give you more life. Right. So- if you have to be there every day and you have to inspect the jobs and you have to do this and you have to check over every order, you don't have a business. You have a job. Right. A job is something you work at. A business is something that works for you. Okay. You need your business to work for you. I'm standing okay, here right now. Okay. My business is running. Yeah. Okay. We've sold 11 orders today so far and I'm in Florida yeah. sitting here talking with you. Your business is supposed to work for you. Now, right now, as I'm building it, I'm in there building all of the things. But one year from now, I won't have to be there at all. It yeah. just will happen because I'm putting all the things in place. What does that mean? I have a marketing director. She is the CEO of marketing. Okay. I have an operations person. He's the CEO of operations. I have an HR person. He's the CEO of HR and hiring and recruiting and all of those things. I have an IT CEO. And that's how I look at it. And each one of those people I've hired because they're better than me at doing the job. Yeah. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Each one of those are. Yeah. So even if you could do it better, even if you could sell better, would you rather be stuck to going and selling you yourself running every lead, or would you rather have 10 people, two of them are better than you, two of them not as good as you, the rest are, you know, up and down, but you got 10 of them out there every single day selling for you. How many do you have now out there selling for you? Uh, I'm going to say 60. 50, 60, right? So but, it's about leverage, and it's, but that's where the process comes in. And if you, if you do it right, it's working for you. The minute you have to insert yourself, right? okay, you now you have know. a job again. Right. You have a job again. So you have to remove yourself. And if, if the job isn't getting done by that CEO of that department, then you have to replace that person. Not because you don't like them, because you have to move them on to somewhere else that they could be successful. That's right. Because they're obviously not successful under me. Yeah. Nothing that they did wrong or right. Sometimes people can't do a role. Right. That's why you have to interview so hard. So this is, this is I think, a pretty advanced mindset of, and, and I'm not sure, hopefully people have been listening here and understanding and getting what it means to have a business that works for you. But if you have a block, if you're like thinking, well, maybe that's not for me, or, oh God, I don't know how I would possibly do that. 
in my business, you know, it's you and three other people. How do you help that person kind of overcome that mindset? So every business is built on the same org chart, so to speak. Right. You have HR, you got sales, you have marketing, you have IT, you've got operations, and you've got finance. Yeah. Okay. Finance, but not finance like lenders, finance like your accountant. Your, yeah. Your, your bookkeeper. Right. So what you do is you fill your name in the org chart in each one of those spots until you have the person to replace you. And what you do is you take the area that takes the most amount of your time yeah. and you hire the person to fill in that first. So, well, God, I have to work with my salespeople all the time. Great. Then let's hire you a really great sales manager. Yeah. Well, where do I find one? Run an ad. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Steal somebody else's. Does it? I'm sorry. No, you have to steal it. Recruit. 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 Recruit somebody. That may so, that's working. So what you do is you take somebody and you offer them something. But I can't afford it. You can't afford not to. Yeah. Because you have to go without eating first. Yeah. Okay? You have to take care of the goose that laid the golden egg. And I see this all the time. There's two things that they do. They take care of themselves first. They figure out how to get more in their pocket right now so they can spend more. I never thought like that, ever. Yeah. I live small, live simply, simple, so I didn't need all that money so I can continue to invest in my business. Yeah. So I didn't take all those chips off the table and then have to run to the, run every time I do a job, I get that money in the bank to make payroll. I haven't had to make payroll in 30 years. Yeah. Because- I don't think like that. Well, and also you understood, so this goes to, this is layers. So it goes to understanding a pricing model. So if my advertising costs go up, who's paying for it? I'm not paying for it. Customer pays for it. Customer pays for everything. If I hired a new marketing manager that's going to cost me a hundred grand a year, I'm not paying for it. Not coming out of my bottom line. I got to raise my price. It, it really, this it reminds me of when you hear all these people in that, that right. Yeah. Okay. Say, oh, we got to raise minimum wage. Yeah. This sure. is silliness. Yeah. Okay. So now the quarter pounder, instead of $2, they now cost $4. Right. Okay. Nobody, nothing's changing. So everything goes up in price. Yeah. They call that inflation. Yeah. And that same McDonald's person who, by the way, I appreciate it, love them, but they're not going to live like a king now because they got more money. Right. Everything's going to adjust themselves. They're still going to live the mod McDonald's lifestyle. That's right. If that's all they can produce and put out to the world, that's all they're going to be worth. Right. And that's not a bad thing. The world needs- And by the way, it's the same conversation for us entrepreneurs too. 100%. It's all about the value that you provide to the marketplace. Correct. So if you provide $12 an hour worth of value, you can't expect to get 20. I am the easiest company to buy flooring from. Easiest yeah. by yeah. far. We've simplified it. We've got their colors. We've got everything they need to have a beautiful experience. Yeah. And we have it all in stock. Yeah. Well, and by the way, so just going back to the raising the price thing for a second, because of that, you are more valuable right. than the guy that right. is working out of the back of his car, right. that's got a crappy warehouse, right. that's got bad cash flow, but he's got a better price. Right. And the is other thing that I up? have is a really good process. Yeah. So while they're thinking about, oh, I've got, oh, I wonder if it's going to show up. I have a process. I'm checking every room, every detail, every corner, every molding. So we'll have somebody who works on a project for anywhere between 30 minutes and two hours to make sure when we send that project out, it's perfect. Right. 
Did you leave the house better you better than you found it? By far, every single time. Yeah, every single time. And then we're on the phone with that customer. Hey, before we let you know our installer leave, is there anything else that you need done? Because it's you know it's it's your time that we don't want to interrupt you and have to come back. Yeah. Okay. And our installer's often scheduled. So let's go walk that job with a fine inspector with a fine tooth comb. You know, as I'm listening to this and as I, I'm just thinking about you and a lot of the others that have been here and that, uh, that I've interviewed, it's easier to own a business like this with all the checklists and all the processes and all the systems. Yes, it's work to set it up. But it's such an easier business to run than the one that's like erratic and chaotic and like, oh, my God, we, we can't do this because the salespeople will revolt or, oh, we can't get there on time because the, the, the crew didn't show up. It's like this is such an easier way to run a business. But people are stuck in what they know. Right. They know that drama, that chaos. And it's like, how do you help break them out of that? Pull your Figure out how to pull yourself out of every area of your yeah. business. If you have to be involved in your business, you don't have a business, you have a job. Yeah. But you also, I think one of the things is, is you have to have a very strong, well, why am I doing this? I mean, why did you, I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but why did you go into business for yourself in the first place? Well, you had no other choice. First off, let's get that one out of the way. Right, <laughs> you, right. You yeah, no I'm, un I'm unemployable. <laughs> but, but really, right. Me too. Me too. I for always wanted choice. to be the guy who lived and died by his own success or failure. Yeah. And I failed many a times and got things Me wrong too. many times. Yeah. But when you look, when I look back on it, it's like, wow, I mean, I built you know, and built and sold a company for a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. And I'm going to do it again. Yeah. And this time I'm legally working for my son. Yeah. So he's actually my boss, which is the greatest That's, thing in history. Yeah. So every day I get to wake up and watch his success. Yeah. And you were in the car with me today when we had lunch and yeah. you said, oh my gosh, he sounds like a man. Yeah. And he is. He's 26 years old, but you've known him for, I don't know, it's got to be 10, 15 years. 12 years, years yeah. yeah. Now, you know, he gets to take off and he has a platform where he's starting at 26 years old. It took me until I was 45 to, you know, understand this stuff. So yeah. he's the next guy driving. Yeah, I was 48. It's incredible. It's like, this is the thing. I think that we forget sometimes as business owners, why in the hell we started this in the first place? Because we're weird. I mean, most people, most people can't do their own business right. because they need the security of that paycheck. Right. And we as entrepreneurs have foregone the security of the paycheck in exchange for the off chance that we might get money, freedom, Success, whatever right. all that means to us individually. 80% of small businesses fail within the first five years. Yeah. And another 80% of those fail within the next five years. Right. Because they didn't build the process. They didn't build the structure. They yeah. didn't build the infrastructure. And that is the secret yeah. is to put this thing on an org chart, write job descriptions for everything, and then find the right person to plug in. That is not your friend you went to school with. Right. That is not this girl that is friends with your wife. Yeah. 
it is the right person for the role because they meet the needs of the job description and nothing else. Yeah. And who got you here? And I hate to say it, it's rough, but it's reality. Who got you here is not going to get you there. Correct. And there are people that come, you know, when you're a million dollar company and they're invaluable and they're great. But when you get to three million, they're not right anymore. And you got to do the right thing for them. And for you and for the business, you got to let them go. As and a CEO, your job is to reevaluate your team and say, yeah. do you meet or exceed our standards yeah. and, it, and our core values? And if you don't, you got to go. That's really good. I was, to say that again. That's the awesome. main the job is, is to decide whether you have the right person sitting in that seat. Yeah. And that's all done by data and attitude. And attitude. So if they don't meet your core values, that's a fail. If they don't hit your data numbers, that's a fail. Now, well, Brian, there's lots of times that people don't hit data. And that's true. If you believe they're heading the right direction, you continue on until you realize that they're not heading the right direction. Yeah. When somebody comes into your office and they have, these are the three Bs. You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. I'm not going to say them. You say them. But me and Addie still use this because I shared it with her. And so we try and, you know, we try and follow it. But when when somebody ends up in your office Mm -hmm. and you're having a management meeting with them, what is that process? I I call it the three B method. Oreo cookie is another one. Okay. Okay. Which is build them, burn them, build them. Hey, Brian, I think you're a great guy. I think you're well capable of this job, but look at the numbers that you're getting, okay? They're beyond awful, Mm -hmm. okay? And that's not acceptable here, okay? But I know what you're capable of. So when I look at these numbers, I'm going, this is not you. What do I have to do to get you back on track to have you kicking ass again? Mm -hmm. So I build them up, I burn them in the middle, build them back up again, send them on their way, or if they gotta go, I don't even burn them. Yeah. Okay. I am so, I build them up. I think you're a great guy. Love having you. Love being your friend. I don't think we have a fit any further. Yeah. Well, why? What do I need? Anything I say is only going to hurt their feelings and they're going to think about it for months. Mm -hmm. I want to end it with, it's just not a fit. And by doing that, you're respecting that person so that person can go off. Okay. I think of a relationship like I think of a book. Okay. You read that book, and when you're done with that book, you untatter that pa- those pages, and you put it up on the shelf for somebody else to enjoy. And any relationship you have, that's how they need to end. And if you don't end your relationships like that, you're making a mistake because you're causing permanent harm to yeah. that person. That's, that's a nice way to put it. Did you learn that? The, the, I like the Oreo cookie. I remember you saying that once too. Did you learn build them, burn them, build them? From I learned somebody? it. Somebody else taught it to me when yeah. I was a kid and I never forgot it. Yeah. And also when you go to hire somebody back, I want you to think of, remember that book that I told you about? Every book ends the same. Mm-hmm. So no matter how many times you read that book, it's going to end the same. So don't hire that person back that you got rid of. Right. Because it's easier. Yeah. Do the work. And replace somebody, okay, with the right person that met that job description because you let them go before. They didn't magically change overnight. Yeah. All right. Let me go back to my list. Okay. So you have been, let's talk a little bit about technology because you have been in front of all of this stuff. What's interesting, and I don't know if I've shared this story or not, 
But one of the things that I think most respect about you is the way we met. So I was, I had G4 marketing, I'm looking for clients and I put together, I mean, really a pretty killer sales letter. And I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how many people got that letter, but you picked up the phone and you called me and I came to learn years later. I didn't know it right at the time, but years later, you just did th- you do that whenever you come across somebody that you think has something and you recognize something in that that letter it was the style of the copywriting or whatever it was but you were like oh i need to meet with this person and i need to see what this person's all about even if i have to pay this person cuz you have to pay me right. to come out absolutely and so you do that with a lot of stuff. Like you start off, you know, all these tech, a lot of these technology trends, you were way ahead of the curve on this. So how do you think about technology? How are you using it today in ways that you weren't using it even a few years ago before COVID? Everything we do is meant to be seamless now. Mm -hmm. So if you take a look at what Amazon has done, which is the most mind-blowing company that I can literally click something on my phone and two and a half hours later, it shows up in my office. Yeah, you have a brain fart. I need crazy, yesterday, I need crazy glue. So Amazon, crazy glue, it'll be at my house today. Most amazing business ever. Right, so how do we take that Amazon experience in our world? Yeah. How do we create that feeling where the customer goes, God, that was easy. And that, to me, is what my job is, is to envision what that looks like. So I used to see when I first, my first idea is to, you know, to create that seamless experience. So now people can set an appointment online. We can come out as early as the same day. We can put the order inside of our iPad, goes right into our computer system, breaks the entire order down, issues it to the warehouse to pull and stage the job. Everything just happens real time. Now, what you need to do is you need to build that process on paper first. Yeah. So you build that process, then you take in your paper order, you give it to your person who breaks down your order, you have a breakdown process, then you have an ordering process, then you have a scheduling process, then you have an installation process with a checklist for your installers to go through, Then they have to take pictures of everything that they did in that job and turn that in with their bill. And then after we've reviewed their pictures and made sure that it looks good, then we're okay to pay them. And that's how we think of it now. We do it all electronically. Yeah. So everything in the world is going to be through your cell phone. And that's how how we see it right now. Yeah. And a lot of the tech have you... So there's always this conversation about i remember there was somebody one of the big big guys that was talking about how you need this whole tech stack and how you need to build it all yourself and i thought it was the stupidest advice to give to small business people that you at your scale and your level you built a lot of your own i did my own the first time around and i will tell you it's a mistake oh okay so you did it at hanson i I know you had everything there and it was and it was great when I started but building I, but, it, it was before Salesforce existed. That's right. This we're talking 10 years ago, we're 10, 12, 15. 20 some 20 odd years okay. ago, 25 years ago. 
So we built our own. So I built my own version yeah. of, uh, you know. So we're, yeah. So we're talking early. And, and my company, I believe to this yeah. day, still uses it. Yeah. To this day, because it's good. Yeah. But now I can have all of those things that it took me years and years to build. I can have it tomorrow by just buying the right software. Right. And all these softwares all talk to each other. Yeah. Especially now in our industry. Oh, wow. And it's everything's there. So the only thing this time around I had to really write my own was the, you know, the customer iPad to draw the rooms up and all that. Okay. So I had to build that because it didn't exist anywhere. Yeah. Not in what we did. So I built my own on that. But everything else is just software we've put together. Building your own nowadays, which I don't recommend, but if you have a piece of it that you have to build that you need that's custom can hire programmers absolutely anywhere in the world absolutely 15 20 bucks an hour correct to build this stuff for you the hardest thing is the plan it isn't the writing that's right yeah it's people don't want to do the work of planning so what every day every business leader should be doing is spending two hours writing plans for each one of those boxes yeah here's your hr plan here's what we're going to do here well, but how do I get the two hours? I'm so busy running around all day. Because day. you haven't, whatever's taking up the most amount of your time is the first it's role the you, you fill. Get rid of. Yeah. It's hard to have these conversations, but the guys that are at a million bucks, a million three. Yeah. You have this conversation with them. What are they doing that they shouldn't be doing? They're selling. Everything. Well, but they're also, they're selling. They're so selling. They're, they're the marketing. Job selling. Yeah. They have a full-time job running a business. Right. And you, the first thing they got to get rid of is they got to get rid of selling. You got, you need a selling system. First thing now. you got to do is you got to get an office man. If you're small, yeah, get an office manager. They take care of your payroll, your books, your deposits, breaking down your orders, everything you need. This is the, you know, the super person all in and who one. Who pays for it? The customer, the customer always, always pays, pays for the employees. The yeah. consumer always pays for the end product. Right. And- you have to charge accordingly to make sure that that person's covered. So you may have to pay that person anywhere between seventy and a hundred thousand dollars for that office manager that's kick ass. Yep. But you need that person to free you up. Right. And then you got to get to that sales manager. Yeah. So go back to the two hours for a minute, because this is something we we talk about here a lot too. Is as the CEO of the company, your job is to think. My job is to think every you know, single you have day. People, you've got all, we've got a number of jobs, but one of the jobs is we've got to think right. and you have to have the time set aside to do it. And it's shocking to me how many people won't do it. Right. Because, because thinking is the hardest work you can do. It's the hardest work you can do. Yeah. And it's, what it is, is in a lot of an entrepreneurs are similar to me, is they have ADD. Yeah. Okay. So you're all over the place. So what yeah. I... So what I have to do is I have to say, all right, what am I going to focus on on sales? I don't think about anything. I'm not going to think about marketing. I'm going to spend 10 or 15 minutes thinking what I have to do in sales. Yeah. And I just write, a, you know, three, four words on a list. Yeah. And I keep marking those things. And then I prioritize those things. And those are the things that I'm going to work on. And then as I think of things, they'll pop in your head. And what happens is when you don't write them down, they go away. You go, oh, yeah, yeah I thought about that a few months ago. I didn't do anything about yeah. it. I make it my business to write everything down. And now I don't even use pen and paper. I do it all on, a, all on my phone. Yeah. Okay. They have notepads. They have these great things already built into the phone. And then I have a permanent record of it. And yeah. then I'll go back and say, ooh, I want to work on that. And I'll move that to next. Yeah. Because you can't work on everything. Yeah. 
But what you can do is when you do get your right teams in place, you assign it to them to work on. And then it becomes their job. And then they give you back what they came up with. Right. And sometimes their ideas are much better Much than better, yours. right, right. I'm like, oh shit, I didn't think of that. Does it have to be perfect? It has to be broken. I don't want it perfect. Yeah. I want it broken because perfection is the en enemy of progress. That's right. Yeah. So I want it broken. Bring me something we can start with. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then I'll go, what about this? If we do this, we do all right, let's start with this. Let's see how it goes, okay? Because it's already better because I already have some makings of a plan. And then it's just tweaking that plan like I talked about with the recipe earlier. Now it's just tweaking the recipe and making it better. And then sooner or later, you have a foolproof plan. And the plan, I mean, our breakdown, breaking down of orders, it's foolproof now. Look at every corner. Look at this. Look at that. And it's foolproof because we've already, so every time we'd get something new, we go, oh, we missed that in the plan. Put it in the plan. Yeah. So all of our plans were, are what we call live documents. So when something changes, we change the document and we update for that reason. Staying on technology for a minute, where do you see things kind of going over the next few years when it comes to technology? Everything is going to become more seamless for the customer. You think you're seamless now, how much more seamless can it get? I couldn't imagine Amazon got something to me in three days. Yeah. Now it's in two hours. Yeah. There'll be a time when some, you'll be able to say, want it now? And you'll pay $17 more and it'll be yep. on its way. A drone will bring it. Okay. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah. You oh, laugh. Yeah. It's they're coming. No, they're working on it. It's, yeah, it's crazy. It, there's no question. It, it is coming. And so that, what does that look like for us in home improvement where we've got... We, we create a lead today, hopefully we sell it tomorrow, we order the materials within you know the next couple of days, and then we gotta wait for the manufacturer. I mean, how does all of this look for us? Sooner or later, you're gonna have this opportunity where you're gonna be doing a lot of things on Zoom type of things. It's gonna be instant communication with a customer. Your salesman might be at the house, download your app, and that's instantly connected, where you'll be able to alert their phone that their product's ready, and they'll schedule themselves. Mm, interesting. Okay. This is all coming. Yeah. Okay. The, who's going to be the first person to do it? Well, I'm thinking about it already, right. so it's already in well, my thoughts. Well, that's why you're the, guy, you're the guy to ask about yeah, this stuff. So, yeah, there's no question. I'm thinking to myself, hey, by the way, when, when we're ready to install, we're going to give you, we're going to send you out three different times. If those don't work, I mean, you can't make it work at that time. All you have to do is push the other button, say, I can't make those work. And we're going to send you three new times. Yeah. Okay. So that's what's coming next. So it's going to pull the people out. And what that really is going to do is going to take care of people because that, then we know that schedule with the installers is filled. By the way, these appointment slots are good for seven minutes. Okay. Because the schedule does fill up. If you'd like one, grab one. And it have a little timer on it. I mean, these are the things that I think about of yeah. what's next. And, you know, there's a lot of guys who are going to listen to this. Well, God, how do I compete with that? What you need to do is you need to compete with your own numbers, not try to compete with me. Yeah. yeah. You need to take that one million and turn it into two. Because there's something you're able to give that I can't give. And that's personal, that personal touch. Mm -hmm. You're able to say, deal with the owner. I'm one phone call away. I have thousands of customers. That's not really possible. Yeah. But you can create that environment. So you're never competing against me. Don't worry about what the competitor's doing. Worry about what you're doing. So, okay. So you have a great 
attitude towards competition. I mean, part of the reason is you've always been the biggest guy in the market, so you've never been afraid. But what came first? Did the attitude come first or did the big company come first? I think the attitude, attitude came first. My attitude is exactly the same as it was 20 years ago. Right. So talk a little bit about, because a lot of people are, they, they think about competition. I think about competition. I'm, I have an ego. Okay. You know, I want to be the big, I want to have the best podcast. I want to have the most reviews. I want to have, so I'm competitive. But that doesn't mean necessarily that I'm threatened I by I like all of the other guys. See, I don't think like that at all. I have my numbers. Yeah. I have my goals. Those competitors are not interfering with me hitting my numbers. I'm interfering with me hitting my numbers. Yeah. And I can't allow that to happen. So I'm going to figure out how to beat my numbers. I wish my competitors the very best. As you know, I'm friends with everybody out right. there. And many of them are like, them. Tell them to come, come to on in. Yeah. Happy to show you everything, you everything I did. Yeah. Because I embrace my I didn't come from that background. Yeah. I have no fear of that. Yeah. In fact, a rising tide rises all boats. Yeah. So the better my competitor does, the better that I'm going to do. So it's funny because I've had this conversation in our groups. We've got three companies that are close to each other. One person kind of has a problem with it. And I get it. I understand why he has a problem with it. But I told him, I said, the last people you should be worrying about are those two. Right. Because between the three of you, you have this much of them. You have a tiny little piece of the market. Right. Who you should really be worried about are the big giant. There's three big giant other players in your market. They're the ones that have much more market share. But is it our competitive nature? Is it fear? It's always it, fear. It's always fear. It's always yeah. fear. And that's what it was for me too. I, like, I have no fear of my competitors. Yeah. I had none. Zero. Yeah. And it was always like this. It was. Yeah. Yeah. But because I realized that they're not, the only one who's going to hurt me is me. Is, yeah. By the way, for you, those of you listening, if you got nothing else out of this podcast, go back, rewind 15 or 30 seconds and listen what he just said again, because it really does ultimately come down to us. Right. Think about how much money you lost from your competitor last year. It's going to be very small. It's insignificant in the grand scheme of things. You have your marketing cost, your cost to acquire a customer. Yeah. You've got your closing percentage. Yeah. Where does the competition fit into this? Right. Okay? Only number that's affected is your marketing cost. Yeah. You have to get that cost as low as possible every day. Other than that, you're at war with yourself, not with somebody else. Yeah. Your enemy is you. I've tried to get this out of you. And now that I've known you for as long as I have, I understand you more. I didn't at the- Good, I'm glad you do. Tell, no. Explain me to my wife. Well, <laughs> well you, you, uh, you're, you're self-driven. Mm -hmm. You think at a very different level than most of us do. And I, it's funny, you do have natural, I was talking, you know, I've talked with people about you and, uh, you know, you come up and well, what is it about? What is it about Brian? And I said, well, I, you know, I don't know. All I know is he thinks different than us. I don't think you have any different talents necessarily. I mean, you could sell, you could sell. Sure. I think you have no fear, which it was something. Nobody, I, you know, nobody, you has, nobody has no fear. I say this to everybody. I fear less. Than others. Right. You know how to manage fear. Let's Correct. say that. I you, fear, you've yeah. always known how to manage fear. I, once you get rid of a couple of things, number one, never worry about what other people think. Worry about what you think. Yeah. If I worry about what other people think, that's a real big challenge. Let them think of me whatever they want, good or bad. Yeah. Focus on what I think. 
focus on what type of business I want to run. Yeah. What kind of leader do I want to be? But don't worry about what they think. Yeah. Because how much money are you going to make or lose off of that? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Everyone's an ace here. It took me a long time to figure that out. Yeah. took me a long time. I think with most people, I think there's a lot of people that will never figure it out. Yeah. I know there's somebody in my family that I just heard, of, I just got an update about them. Really smart entrepreneur. Right. Great business. Right. But is the, he's in this cycle, this right. up and down, feast, famine, feast, famine. Feast, I don't have fam- that. Feast, famine. Yeah, I don't anymore. I didn't have it real bad. I learned. I mean, it, I was a slow learner, but I did learn. But yeah, so that's interesting about you. But, but at the end of the day, what I, I think I've realized is that, and this is why I say I think it's 90% mindset and it's 10% skill set. It's all in the thinking. You right. just think different. Right. I, and that's you. I will tell you this, okay? I barely graduated high school. This is true, mm-hmm. okay? I, I was on probation in college. I didn't finish. Uh, and that being said, so I have no college degree or any anything like yeah. that. I'm self-taught. Yeah. I never read a book. I tell this to people all the time until I was 35 years old. When I say never, I've never read a novel in my life. Zero novel. Even to this day? To this day. Never read a novel. Watch plenty of movies. Yeah. Read plenty of books. Now I listen to all my books. Okay. Because I'm much more audible. Yeah. So with Audible, by the way, yeah. you can learn so much. You can learn every, yeah. So every day I spend 30 minutes a day learning. So I will listen to something every day driving to work. Okay. Car University, I call it. Yep. And I will learn things and I will write things down and I'll sometimes get to work and I'll write down a few things. Okay. Or put it into my phone. Like this is something I have to do because books are people's lifetime of thoughts are all put in one place for you to absorb. Right. I didn't read, like I said, growing up. So, so 30, I didn't know it was 35. 35 was when I read my first book. Well, what was the first book? Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. And by the way, that was my first book. Outside. If you haven't read a book, read Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. Second book, The E-Myth. Third book, Traction. Do you need anything else? With those three, you will have a great, great springboard. So think of those three books and those three books will change your life. No question about it. And read them in the order that I told you. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And Think and Grow Rich, I've said it, I don't know how many times. Think and Grow Rich is not a book to read. Think and Grow Rich is a book to study. Right. Like, uh, how many times have you read it? You know, you know, I still, I read it as early as four months ago Yeah, and I'll play it in special sections of it right? because you have to get your mind right yeah. for everything else to follow. Yeah. And if you don't believe it in here, it'll come out in everything that you do. So yeah. I really believe I'm going to look you, I can look at the camera. I'm going to be the largest learning company in America. Yeah. That's a pretty well, gusty and, and to anybody that's looking at this, watching this on YouTube, when you just saw him do that, do you, did you believe anything less? I mean, the, the conviction is there, but it's, it's all about the, the belief is what do I believe about myself? What do I believe about the world around me? And that is what will dictate success more than and what, anything and else. And what can I take my leaders and give them each goals That's right. to make sure that we're going to hit this? Yeah. If I can hit 50 million in four years, imagine what it will look like, okay, in four more years. Yeah. Okay. You see places do it all the time and you want to become relevant, not irrelevant. So I always think about the hardware stores. When I was growing up, there was a hardware store at every corner. 
and there were these small places. The owner was always there. It was great. Then Home Depot came and boom, all of those guys or 95% of those guys are gone mm-hmm. and they've been stomped on by Home Depot. Yeah. So I want to be the Home Depot of Flory. I want to be the, the guy that comes into that market and takes a lot of that business yeah. and comes in. And all those little guys that I think are great that aren't focused on their numbers and growing their business, they're going to be working on, a, on our team yeah. because they won't be able to compete because they don't know their numbers and they're not measuring yeah. and they're not going from 1 million well, to 2 million. Long as you're growing, you're not dying. And we're starting to see that happening now because a lot of people during COVID got lazy, sloppy. Yep. They thought, oh, I've got more leads than I can handle. And they stopped marketing. They stopped working on themselves and on their processes and on their getting their marketing better. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're in November. Things are starting to slow a little bit this year. Next year, we don't know. We don't know. But those of those companies like yours that have the fundamentals in place that can spend money on marketing that know how to close at the kitchen table and have a good strong profit model you forgot the most important you you're forgot gonna, the most important thing and a great plan you have to have a great plan to start that's right yeah. my plan is this i'm looking at these numbers if i hit each one of these my plan takes me to the next level yeah but you have to make sure you're hitting those milestones and like I said, it's really easy to get from 1 million to 2 million, from 2 million to 4 million. Yeah. Okay. Where it gets really hard is when you start getting over $5 million. Then you realize what, you know, how your ship is really built. You know, when you think of a tree, okay, this big tree, it's flourishing, it's huge. It's, you know, 25 feet long, you know, all the way around or something like that, or 20 feet long is monster. If you don't have a strong foundation, you have to have everything that's up top under the ground. It has to look the same. You have a strong foundation. And what happens is often the, the trees without the strong foundation, those were the ones that blow over the minute there's a storm. And you don't need a storm in your business. So you have to make sure you built the right foundation. Well, I'm going to cut it there because I don't know how much better we can get than that. That was pretty right. damn good. Yeah. It's got to be as big underneath as it is up yeah. on top. Yeah. That's really good. And you have to think of it from that point of view. Yeah. So. Well, very cool, Brian. Thank you. If you go back and you listen to some of these other ones, I think that you'll find it to be invaluable. And I hope that I can help. Anytime you want to reach out, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm honored to be here. And Brian, thank you for asking me back again. It makes me feel good inside. Thank you. Well, thanks for, uh, you know, at the very beginning, giving me the time and saying, okay, sure. Podcast, whatever, you know. Why not? Yeah. Well, it worked out. No, it worked out for both of us. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of, of this 200 episodes. Wow. You know, pretty amazing. I would one favor, I would really appreciate it if you guys would go and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts, ideally at Apple. And, uh, you know, the more we, just like in your business, the more reviews there are, the, the more it helps other contractors find the podcast. And maybe if you've learned something from it, or if you've found value in it, you can pass that along to somebody else with a review at uh, Apple Podcasts, or again, wherever you listen to podcasts. So on behalf of 
my good friend Brian Elias, thank you again so much, man. I, I, I appreciate you so much. And to all of you, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And uh, here's to 200 more. I, I, I hope uh, I, I'll get better. And uh, we'll give you more value for another 200 episodes. Thank you very much. This is Brian Kaskavalsian. Until next time, this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. For insights on skyrocketing your home improvement business and accelerating your journey to the success, wealth, and freedom you've always dreamed about, be sure to get your free copy of my best-selling book, The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor at www.thewealthycontractor.com. And don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. See you next time.